Hello, and welcome to another episode of More Than Therapy. Today's guest is Heather Hutchinson. Heather is the Amazon best-selling author of Holding On by Letting Go, which is a memoir, and an award-winning singer-songwriter with four albums released to date, including her latest release, If I Could, which was released in January of this year. Blind since birth and having struggled with mental illness from a young age, she is passionate about educating people on disability and mental health through her music and writing. An avid traveler, Heather has spent time living and teaching English in Latin America. And today, our special guest is Heather Hutchison. I don't know when I first realized my life was optional. Something I could hold in my own two hands and take away when I saw fit. As I lie awake, I scan back through the years, searching for answers and reasons I may never fully understand. Realistically, it was probably a perfect storm of circumstances that came together with disastrous timing to lead me to this hospital bed. Heather, thank you for visiting with us today at More Than Therapy. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, indeed, indeed. (laughs) Heather, how did your childhood shape you, not only as an author, not not only as an an artist, but as a person? How was your childhood beneficial regarding that, or how did it impact you, may I ask? I I think that, you know, up until a certain certain age, we kind of live in this bubble of you know, we, we don't view ourselves as any different than anybody else. And I think it's the world that teaches us to judge and to fear. And for me, my first couple of years were, were super quote unquote normal. And my parents kind of let me fall and do get up again, do my own thing. Um, which unfortunately a lot of people with disabilities, their parents tend to be kind of restrictive and then they have more problems later on. But I would say by grade one, I started to notice that I was what society would consider different and um, other kids and adults would treat me differently. And it was something that I really noticed and was very aware of early on. And I think I, I kind of felt early on that I was a bit separate from a lot of the people that I was growing up with. And I think writing, whether that be songs or stories or um, even memoir, like my own sort of story, getting things down on paper or in music kind of gave me, I don't know, it was it was almost like an escape to another world a little bit where things made more sense. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Music, an expression 
a way to process? Was it for you a way to process through some of your hurt, some of your pain? Yeah, very much so. I would sit down at the piano and especially by the time I'd reached my early teens and, you know, it was such a confusing time, so many conflicting emotions and things like that that I didn't understand. And if I sat down at the piano and got them out in words and lyrics in music and put that all together in a song, then not only did it make more sense to me, but I was also, by the time I was 15, performing live in concerts and people would come up to me after the show and be like, you know, I heard this song and it helped me through this really difficult period in my life. So I think the universality of music really drew me to it and drew me to the message that that human connection that I was seeking, I think I found through music, not only as something cathartic for me, but also something beneficial to other people. Indeed, in my lifetime, music, I call it the soundtrack to my life. I can mm -hmm. find different pinpoints in my life in which music was very beneficial to me or influenced a certain chapter in my life. Mm -hmm. And even now, as I continue to write chapters in my life, music is a big influence as I too come from a musical background as well. So I can definitely concur with you regarding that. In your, um, your book, I mean, if you're in your latest music rendition, let's talk about that for a minute. You indicate If Could was not only a musical project, but you identified it as your life work. And I can resonate with that, with the same idealism based on something I'm going through, but I want you to express yourself in regards to it. Yeah, I think for me, it was a way, well, the book actually that you mentioned and the, the commercial at the beginning of the show, that sort of came first and and I was always a musician. I had a couple albums out before the book came out, but I was hospitalized for psychiatric care during the beginning of the COVID pandemic. So it was a really confusing time. There were no visitors allowed. I was certified under my province's mental health act. So that meant that I wasn't free to leave the hospital and I had no idea at what point I would be able to get out and see my loved ones. And so I was there not really wanting to get better. I was seeking absolution more than getting better so that when I was gone, my family members, my friends would be like, well, she tried. And so I, I kind of spent the first few days really in a fog and just waiting, biding my time so I could get out and I could kill myself. And there was one night that I was lying awake in the hospital, I couldn't sleep. And the air ambulance arrived bringing a critical patient to this bigger hospital for treatment. And I started thinking about this person's loved ones and thinking, my God, you know, they're going through one of the scariest, worst nights that they'll ever know. And then I started thinking, how can I have so much compassion for this person's loved ones while wanting to, you know, knowing the decision I want to make will devastate my own. And then I started thinking about the patient themselves and thinking, this person's in here fighting to live and I'm in here fighting to die. And one of us has a choice. And I realized it was like this moment of clarity that I'd come to this fork in the road and I knew that I had to make that decision in that moment. Was I going to live or was I going to die? And I knew if I was going to live, if I was going to be an active part of my treatment plan 
and get well enough to leave the hospital, I knew that I couldn't continue living how I had been. And so I decided that I was going to tell my story for the people who we've lost to mental illness who no longer can, as well as the people who might be going through it right now and feeling really alone, whether it's, you know, somebody, one of their loved ones struggling with mental illness or, or themselves. And so the book was kind of born from that. And then this new music was born from the book. So it's really my life's work around making sure that somebody else, if they're going through something similar, hopefully feels a little bit less alone with that pain. Indeed, indeed. Thank you for sharing that perspective and that viewpoint. That is very, very, very real. Let's back away from mental health for just a second as we talk more about the music. Four albums to your credit. That's yes. a phenomenal feat, a phenomenal indeed. Award-winning in many aspects, very recognized in the musical realm because of these albums, because of these soundtracks to some people's lives, including your own. What is your musical process? It really varies depending on the song. I wish I had like one formula that <laughs> worked for every song I write, but it can be so so different depending on the song. So sometimes I'll sit down at the piano and I'll have a melody line or a chord progression or sometimes this line of lyrics will pop into my head and then I'll take that and go sit down at the piano and work off that one line. Sometimes I'll write all the lyrics down first and then work from there. So it's it's really varied and depending on you know, what I'm going through in my life, I will, I think writing songs is a little bit more ambiguous than writing the memoir was. So I will sometimes, I usually write from my own experiences, but sometimes even within a certain song, I'll incorporate the experiences of somebody else I know, or even something I heard in the news to make it a little bit more ambiguous, I guess, and relatable to a larger audience. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Next question might be a little touchy. <clears throat> <laughs> How did you overcome what some people deem as a disability? That what I speak of is blindness. As some people think in many circles, oh, they can't do this, they can't do that. But you've proven that wrong, ultimately, because there's many people who want to be artists who want to be musicians, who want to be singers, who want to get awards, who want to be on the big stage and cannot manifest that and don't have what some would deem a disability, that being blindness. Can you speak to the people on how you, I don't know, you want to say overcome it, but how, how do you navigate life through your blindness and still make your dreams possible? Yeah, I think navigating it or overcoming it is it's a process it's something i'm still overcoming every single day and i think that in this society of quick fixes we want to wake up one day and everything is going to be better we think to ourselves oh if i only had this if i only was able to see that if i only did this differently then things would be different and you're right we have to manifest that and that can be in really small steps. So 
you know, it's something we practice every day, whether that's practicing an instrument, a sport, or, you know, being more a closer version of yourself to what you want to be. It's you work at it every single day. Right. One day at a time. But like clients often tell me one second mm -hmm. at a time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> tell us. Tell us about your memoir, Holding On and Letting Go. So it's the memoir that I started in the hospital that night that the patient was brought in by air ambulance. And I, I kind of worked backwards. So as soon as I got out of the hospital, I just had my phone. So I sort of jotted a couple notes down. And as soon as I got out of the hospital and was well enough that I could, I opened up my computer, opened up a Word document and just started to write. And I started to work backwards with the, the, um, the stuff in the hospital. Uh, because it was most fresh in my mind. So it's actually, the book has two parts. And the first part really gets into my life as a blind person in Canada and Latin America and my struggles with mental illness over the years. So it's kind of these two parallel themes that all come together in the second part, which is basically a journal of the, the days, the time that I spent in the hospital. Indeed, indeed. Well, thank you for sharing that perspective. I want to talk more about the music. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a musical influence that would come as a surprise to most of your fans? That's hard. Uh, I would have to say like some jazz artists, like maybe Ella Fitzgerald or Sarah Vaughan. I don't really sing like them very often, <laughs> but I, I really admire their musicality and their ability to improvise and i think that's that's really shaped who i am as a musician and how i'm more comfortable to be on stage and to kind of roll with the punches because you never know what's going to happen when you're up on stage so they kind of really showed me what it meant to be a musician who was really good at improvising indeed what is the most important thing your fans can do to support you? That's a good question because it's it's a weird time for music. The concerts, live music is, you know, it kind of gets started and then gets shut down again, depending on the restrictions. And streaming is difficult um, because we don't make very much money doing it and nobody's really buying CDs or anything. I think the biggest thing that people can do for a musician apart from you know not not even necessarily spending money on their merch and things like that but sharing their music with a friend sharing their message with a friend because i think for most of us the reason we do what we do is to find that human connection and if we can connect with even more people then that's really fulfilling for us as musicians if pod decks which is my sponsor gave you ten thousand dollars to buy some new gear what would you get? Oh my gosh, that's so hard. There's so many things like I could I could go into a music store right now and and blow that in like five minutes, but probably like software plugins. Like there's so many cool effects and things that you can buy now that that are all digital. Um, some new like 
string libraries of like string recordings and things like that to use in my music that's that's all digital uh some new like piano sounds so probably like a lot of sounds would you rather write one incredible album or 10 very good albums <laughs> that's really hard nobody's ever asked me that before um wow i don't know i guess maybe 10 really good albums because i really i wouldn't want to stop i if i wrote one incredible album i'd i'd always be wondering if i could one-up it so i think i would rather just keep making music and keep getting better and better and better because i think with each album we make we learn something we learn what we would do differently i think nobody listens to their album ever and goes oh that's perfect because if they did then there'd be no point in making more so i think i think i would want to make more albums and just kind of grow organically as a musician indeed indeed what current artist inspires you the most that's a good question i really like um city and color and probably Wild Rivers, um, they're a duo and they have some really great songs and, and their work really well together. And I just really enjoy what they do. Indeed. In your experience, what is the perfect size crowd to perform to? I actually like smaller crowds, like concert halls are great, but there's this connection that you get at like like a house concert, say with 50 people in somebody's living room, you connect with people that in in a way on a level that you just can't with a big crowd, the feeling is totally different. And I think it's different for the listeners too. I think it can be more emotional to have that, that smaller audience, that more intimate connection between listeners and, and performers. Indeed. What's a song that you've heard that you know of that you wish you would have wrote? Oh, there's so many. I don't know. I love uh, Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohen. I think that's a great song. And that's actually somebody I don't think he's done a ton since he wrote that song, because like, really, how do you top that? I think he's written a couple of things since then. But yeah, I don't know how you beat that. That's a very well written, just a great song. I agree. If you could co-write a song with someone, who would you like to collaborate with? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say that there's one person in particular. Maybe the the people from Wild Rivers. I know I mentioned them already, but that's that's a good question. I don't actually... This last album is the first time I've ever co-written with anything, anyone, and it was a really different experience, but I've, I've kind of shied away from that, I guess, because it's such a vulnerable process. Yes, most people say Drake, but okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> what are some of the biggest challenges you face with trying to promote your music and grow your fan base? Technically speaking, 
the algorithms like on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, it's so hard. You can spend so much time working on a post that gets no engagement because it doesn't get shown to anybody. And then you can put up something like super quick and it gets tons of likes. So it's really like volatile. You don't really know how things are going to be every time you put up a post. So that makes it really hard if you're trying to promote an album and things like that. If you're trying to get people to follow you on Spotify or pre-save an upcoming album, things like that, it's really hard because you don't know you know so much of it's paid advertising now and musicians don't typically have a lot of money to spend on advertising so it's really difficult to get our message and our music in front of people now indeed indeed which one of your songs past or present would you most want to be remembered by and why um that's hard that's like which of your children is your favorite that you hope will, will leave you a legacy? Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to say that the latest album I just put on out the title track, if I could. But I don't know. There's a couple. How would you define your success? What would success look like for you? Success for me would be to be happy doing what I'm doing you know I don't think we're ever completely happy we go through phases because if we weren't completely happy or if we were completely happy all the time how would we know that we were completely happy because we didn't have anything to compare it to but yeah just being content and comfortable in my own skin and and enjoying what I'm doing so making music make writing books um speaking to people things like that if I can do those sorts of things and, you know, make enough to, to live, to be comfortable, to just be content. I think that would be my definition of, of success. Indeed. Regarding your mental health history in present day, do you ever struggle with self-doubt about your music career or abilities? And if so, how do you overcome that in order to keep going? All the time, yeah, forever. Um, I don't know that there's ever been a time when I haven't from, I started recording my first album when I was 15. And yeah, from that part, that point onwards, it's always been a struggle. And there are some days when it's really hard and you, I just wanna quit. And I think there's no point in doing this. Nobody, Nobody cares, it's not reaching anybody, it's not good enough, things like that. And then something will happen the next day that makes me realize that what I'm doing does matter and that it is reaching people. So I think for me is just remembering those good days when I'm having a bad day and going, okay, tomorrow could be different. I could feel completely different about this tomorrow. So I'm going to keep writing. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing in hopes that the next day or the day after that, something will happen to make me realize, oh yeah, this does matter. Indeed. If you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Don't be so hard on yourself. Just enjoy the time. Don't always be looking towards the future, looking towards how you could do things better. Love yourself more. Just 
give yourself a little bit of grace. Give yourself a break. Mm. Shoot, I need that advice right now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fairly universal. I would imagine. <laughs> all right, all right. Your book, your memoir, is that your first book? It is, yes. And what what made you write it now? You're so young to be writing a memoir, some would say. I know, and it's weird because people have been telling me since I was really young, hey, you should write a book. And I've always been like, well, what would I talk about? Like, I'm pretty young. My life is pretty average in my view. I don't really have anything to share. And so, yeah, it was weird to kind of write it at this age, but I really wanted to get out the message that that I was given in the hospital and that I learned and to get it out when it was still fresh in my mind. And it was really cathartic for me as well to actually go back to the very beginning of my life and start piecing things together and going, okay, so this happened because this happened and okay, I can see how I've ended up here now. So for me, that was really helpful. It was a really helpful thing to do that now so that I could move forward. Indeed, indeed. Please tell the people, well, before that, I listened to your, I went to your YouTube channel and listened to all the covers you did and then listened to your original music I mean, you have an amazing songs, amazing range. I love your renditions of the covers as I was more familiar with them, of course, even though your original music sounded as if it was by an artist I would love. Oh, anyway, thank you. <laughs> um, I ask you this. We already know that music is a good coping skill and a good way for you to process your life, but tell the people how they can hear this music, listen to this music, watch these video renditions in order for them to learn more and gain more and have the audio, for lack of a better word, ecstasy that I had when listening to it. <laughs> Thank you so much. For sure, they can visit my website at www.heather-hutchison.com and there's links to my YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music. You can listen to my music basically anywhere you, you find music and all the links are right there as well as links to my social media facebook instagram TikTok, etc could sharing our own darkness be the, the light <laughs> that guys someone through theirs i think so i think that's the question that <laughs> that's the uh first line of my bio that's the question that i'm always seeking to answer and i think i think so because i know when i've been at my darkest time i, I know people say oh you know it doesn't hurt or it doesn't help to hear what other people are going through if you're really struggling but for me i would look at like the Instagram influencers and things like that when I was doing really badly and I would just beat myself up more because they would say, oh, I went through this really hard time, but I'm all better now. But they would never talk about the journey. So it was like, well, how did they get there? But I can't get there. I'm such a loser. Why, why is this so hard for me? So I think when I was going through it, 
it would have been really beneficial for somebody to sit down with me and really share their journey with me so that I could see that it was possible to get through, that it wasn't just for this random Instagram person who never really talked about what it even was that they went through or how they overcame it. I think recovery is really important and we need to keep that as a focus, but I think we can't lose sight either of the journey that got us there. Indeed, indeed, very much so. And in saying that, what are your wellness tools? What tools do you use to be well? I use a lot of CBT uh, and DBT. So I think if people are interested in that, I really like, I don't, <laughs> I don't actually much care for group therapy. I find it really difficult. But if you can find a CBT or a DBT class in your area, I think that's where group therapy really excels to teach you those kinds of skills. So, you know, grounding exercises like the five finger breathing where you, it's hard to explain, where you take your one hand and you trace with one finger, uh, the five fingers of your one hand as you breathe in and out. And so grounding exercises like that, mindfulness. Um, and I think it's, it's something that we really have to practice like an instrument, like anything that we do. I think sometimes we learn these tools in CBT or whatever, and we're like, oh, this is great. This is gonna work, excellent. And it doesn't always work right away. And there are some days that we're gonna be better at it than others. And we give up pretty quickly and we go, well, this isn't just isn't working for me. So I think there are different exercises that are going to work for different people, but I think it's important to keep trying them and keep trying different things until you find something that works. And then you will finesse it into something that feels more natural for you, that comes more naturally when you're, you know, having a panic attack or when you're feeling really depressed and, and it becomes more of a, this automatic thing instead of this, okay, well, in my CBT class, they said I have to do this, so... Indeed, indeed. Please, thank you, for, thank you for welcoming us with your presence on the More Than Therapy podcast. Please give the listening audience or the watching audience any final words or any words you would like to give them before we depart. For sure, I'm not gonna sit here and give you empty platitudes that tomorrow is gonna be better and you should cheer up and things like that. I'll leave that for the social media influencers, but. What I will tell you is that I can promise you that there will come a moment when you'll stop in a moment and you'll feel so much joy at that time. And you'll think to yourself, I would have missed this if I made a different decision. So hold on for that moment because it is worth it. Indeed. And that is another episode of More Than Therapy. Please go out and listen to the music of Heather Hutchinson, but also check out her book, Holding On by Letting Go, a memoir available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. That's available on Amazon, Audible, Apple Books, Kobu, Barnes and Nobles, Indigo, and so many other places. That's Holding On and by Letting Go, a memoir by Heather Hutchinson. Available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. Check out her music, 
Check out all the things to know about her at www.heather-hutchison.com. That's heather-hutchison.com. And this has been a Morning Therapy broadcast. Thank you. Be well. Be great.